All right, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Um, I, I tend to be long-winded, so <laughs> I, I want to make sure we have plenty of time. I always feel awkward cutting people off. And so, so good to see so many faces here that either are brand new or we haven't seen in a while. Um, so welcome, everyone. I'm Drew. It's, uh, nice to meet you informally. Um, so we're going to be getting into some stuff today that uh, has a, a long history going way, way back many, many years. Um, we're continuing to go through Acts. Um, we're in chapter 11 today, starting in verse 1. But before we get started, um, I would love, you know, one of the things we did last week, uh, Austin, I'd love for us to get back in the rhythm of this, is just sharing how the Holy Spirit's moving in your life. Uh, one of the themes that we've seen in Acts is the Holy Spirit moving unexpectedly. So I would love it if a couple of brave souls would just share maybe this week what, what God has been doing and moving in their life. And I don't want to direct anyone, but I would love to hear from someone who was at Women's Book Club because I know, <laughs> I know the Holy Spirit was present there. So. was so open and I'm sure there's still some processing through the conversations had so I, I just love that y'all did that. It's super cool. It's a little more than do to produce. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> I was like we had multimedia elements and John's like in the stream and you could have gone to that too. Uh, it could be another person. But, yeah. I can, oh, I can share something. We had, a, we had like a crisis with relating to Tom's graduation where I thought that it might not happen and I got really stressed out and I found out about it on Monday and then prayed. And then on Tuesday, like everything fell into place and Tom looked at me and was like, you can figure out this too. <laughs> Survive Europe first yeah, yeah. and come back there. <laughs> Praise God. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think um, we had uh, yesterday, we were having a kind of rough day, and we 
sort of talking past each other. I think both of us kind of talking a little bit out of fear. And um, and I feel like we both ran on it probably separately. But um, not yesterday, the day before yesterday. And then, and then yesterday, just having a really good conversation where we had the same conversation, but both of us felt, felt the nerve. Um, and a lot of it, you know, for me personally, I'm a chef. And, uh, you know, we just lost a really big kind of figure in, in my industry with uh, Anthony Bourdain. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I was just having a lot of emotion around that. And, um, and uh, I was able to have a really emotional conversation at work and then come home and just really talk to each other. So it was a blessing. Mm -hmm. Awesome, thanks. So thank you for that. I think. I think it's important that we do share that with, with each other on that, that life is hard and things that we don't want to happen, happen, um, and the spirits continuing to work through that. And I think it's important that we share in this, this group of people because if we're not experiencing that in our life or we're not opening our ears or our eyes to the Holy Spirit, we need to hear from each other to continue to help encourage us. So thank you guys for being vulnerable in that. So let's recap. Um, I know we, we tend to do that in the beginning, and that gets put on you guys. Um, <laughs> let's, who, who have we been following in Acts, in, in chapter 10, up until, up until this point? Which apostle have we been following? Peter. 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 Not, not Saul. We're, we're following Peter right now. Um, and kind of what, are, what are some of the main things that have happened with Peter over the last chapter, chapter and a half? What, what, what does he experience? Who has he come in contact with? What has God done? He had a vision you know, from God of the, the blankets of animals and animals um, and was called to the centurion's house and basically had this revelation of, that Gentiles are, are you know, God's people as well. Yeah. So... So we have Peter. Peter has a, has a vision. He's, he's visited by Jesus um, and, and speaks to him about not, um, not continuing to view things that God has made clean as common. And this idea of showing no favoritism, showing no partiality to the Jewish believers as opposed to Gentiles um, is a huge theme. And uh, at the end of what we see, we, we, we notice that the Holy Spirit is poured out on the Gentiles, which is surprising and unexpected movement by the Holy Spirit. So that's where we're at. Catch us up. Thank you. Um, so this week, if any of y'all have read ahead, you know that we're talking about circumcision. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So I'm not going to get into the details on what that is or why it was done. Um, if you don't know, ask someone who's trusted in your life to explain that to you. Um, but what I do want us to do is go back to, to Genesis. I'd love to have a volunteer to read Genesis 17 verses 9 through 14. It's a really quick one. It's not, it's not too burdensome. Allison. So while, while Allison's looking through that, so Genesis 17, 9 through 14. 
Um, this, is a, this is a big deal. Um, this, is, this is God speaking to Abraham um, after God has brought Abraham a son through Hagar, um, Ishmael. And this is prior to God bringing a son through Sarah, Sarah to become Sarah, Isaac. So this is a, a promise and a command and a covenant that God's making before Isaac even exists. So um, let's roll with that. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any circumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Did I hear that last part? <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty intense. Thank you for, for reading that, Allison. So, essentially, God is setting up this, this covenant, and as he expands his, his people and his followers, um, they're, they're going to become clean and unclean people. They're going to become those who are circumcised, the men. Obviously, this is a, a male thing, right? So uh, the men who are, are circumcised are, are considered clean and able to be uh, in communion with uh, God's people. And anyone who is not circumcised, whether they're brought in at a later stage in life or born into uh, this group of people, um, they are going to be cut off. Um, you are not to spend time with them, commune with them, you know, coexist with them. You are to be completely separate and set aside from them. And so this is one of the first things that we read in Genesis, one of the first um, commands and covenants that God speaks to Abraham. So when we're reading what we're reading in Acts, it's super important that we view this through the lens of that, that we understand nowadays, you know, this is a decision that a lot of us in our culture, it's, it's a coin flip. You can do it or not when you're in the hospital, you know, when you have a son. You know, we, we had a son recently, they're like, you want to do this? And you say yes or no, and it's, that's it. Um, but going back, um, God speaking this to Abraham and his people going forward, it was a commandment. You know, at the eight-day mark, this is supposed to happen. Anyone, and, and this is keeping you know, with the times, remember, anyone who's brought in or bought you know, through probably slavery um, is to have that same procedure done, um, regardless of age. And Abraham himself undergoes this as an old man. Um, so like, this, this is a big deal um, to them. It's a big deal to the Jewish people at this time. So with all that in mind, um, let's turn to Acts 11, and we're going to be in Acts 11, verses 1 through 18 today. So if you want to scroll there, we'll have it up on the screen as well. So 
So starting out here, the, the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. So we'll stop right there. There's plenty in that already. Um, so a couple things here, right? One of the first things that popped out to me is the fact that Peter is traveling to Jerusalem from Caesarea where he meets with the centurion and all the Gentiles who receive the Holy Spirit. So this is a big deal to them and it's a big deal to the Jewish believers in Jesus throughout the region at the time. So much so that word spreads all the way to Jerusalem, the essentially capital, right? So word beats him to Jerusalem. And we see that time and again. A lot of these, a lot of these uh, things that happen, the word spreads quicker than people can actually travel at the time. I think what's interesting to me is they have the whole story at this point. Anyone who's, who's witnessed what happened, who's spreading the word about what happened in that room with the Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit, they, they knew the whole story at that point. And it continues to get spread and spread and spread and spread. It's interesting what gets spread, right? The reason why it probably spread so quickly, just looking at our own sinful nature, is probably because they broke a commandment not because the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. Like, it's an amazing thing that happened. But if I'm being honest, if I see something controversial that happens in the world and something good comes as a result, the more exciting thing to talk about is the controversy, right? The believers in Jerusalem don't immediately say, hey, Peter, that was amazing. So awesome that the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. What's next? Where is God moving next? It's not that. It's you ate with the Gentiles. They're not circumcised. That's unclean. We're not supposed to do that. That's a command. It's one of the earliest commands that we had. Sounds very, very similar to how the Pharisees questioned Jesus, right? We've been seeing this theme back and forth of how what the apostles and the believers in Jesus and the early church is doing is very emblematic of what Jesus did during his time on earth. Jesus ate with the tax collectors and he ate with the sinners, people who were unclean, the poor, And he was continually questioned by the Pharisees, why are you doing this? We're commanded not to. You're not obeying the law. Jesus answers them, and the response back is continually opposition. They're never changed by that. All the way to the point of death for Jesus. This is too controversial for them to appreciate. And I think one of the things that's really, really interesting that I kind of had to come to grips with was the fact that the, the, the doubt 
and the, the, the beautiful thing that God's doing through the early church in spreading his good news to the Gentiles is God has said one thing a long, long, long time ago, and it seems like something different is being said. And that's not necessarily what's happening. God's pursuit of people is expanding. Um, and it's completely understandable that what happens with the Gentiles, that the Spirit moves onto them and that Peter even spent time with them. It's completely unexpected movement of the Holy Spirit through Peter to the believing Jews at the time. The doubt that they have is completely understandable with what they've been taught from generation to generation to generation to generation. Totally get it. We do this too, right? Like we hear about the Holy Spirit moving through different organizations in far along lands or in people groups that the, the gospel is spreading like wildfire. And one of our first questions is, how? How's that happening? And we're skeptical. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's how we move from that that's important. So let's keep going um, in, in Acts 11, picking up in, in verse 4. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened to me three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me, to have no hesitation about going with them, these six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told, us, he told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all of your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they had heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance into life. So as, reading through that this week, I kind of I, I timed the amount of time it would take me to say those words. It took me about a minute, somewhere in between a minute and a minute and a half to say those things. So we don't know that the writer of Acts, Luke, 
is, is paraphrasing here or he's saying exactly what Peter's response was to these questioning Jewish believers. But it took me a minute to say. So best, best guess, uh, on the shorter side, it took a minute. Long side, probably took a day. You know, a day sitting with these folks. And in that, probably in their minds initially, they're thinking, okay, Peter is overriding um, the, the command that, that God gave to Abraham. That's probably their initial thought. As Peter continues to speak and continues to tell the story and continue to tell it from his first-person perspective in the room, they're fine with it. It says that they didn't object to anything that he said, that they immediately accepted his account. So I know that it's okay, it's okay to be a skeptic. It's okay to have doubts on certain things that happen. But I'm blown away by the level of submission that we see through the Jewish believers in Jerusalem that are meeting with Peter here. They take him at his word. They hear his words and they see that the Holy Spirit is moving in his words. They take his account as truth and they move on from it. And they praise God for it. Um, and I think the important thing is that Peter is emphasizing the Holy Spirit's movement and the Holy Spirit falling on the Gentiles. He's not emphasizing the controversy at the beginning. So that gets us to a point that's interesting to me as well, is that this isn't the end of this controversy. We're going to read and continue to work through Acts. I don't know how long it's going to take us to get through Acts. Maybe another year and a half. I don't know. <laughs> but circumcision is going to be brought up over and over and over and over again. You can see it throughout Paul's letters to different Gentile believers. And it's tough for us to grapple with the fact that it's such a big deal, but it is a big deal. We read what God said to Abraham. It is a big deal. They're going to continue to wrestle with it. They're going to continue to fight about it. Paul's going to have to address it, who we still know as Saul. It's not going away. So I think it's also important to know that just because we have a conversation with a certain group of people, that doesn't mean the masses are going to continually, immediately accept the message that's there. There are going to be other believers in other areas that doubt and they're going to continue to have to deal with the fact that they're having issues with the Jewish believers, but they're also having issues with the fact that people that are still Jews, that believe in Jesus, those who don't believe in Jesus have a big issue with this too, because they're still within the Jewish framework at this time, but they happen to believe in Jesus. So they're going to have multiple people groups disagreeing with them for the same reason, but with different belief systems. It's going to get to the point where the church leaders at the time have to draft an official stance on the topic. And it's probably not going to make everyone happy. But what it's there to do 
is to continue to promote that the Holy Spirit, it's fallen on the Gentile believers, it's going to continue to fall on Gentiles as we go forward in history. And that's where the stance is going to be adopted from. So I think that leaves us with quite a bit to chew on as a church with where we're at today, right? So in Austin, Texas in 2018, you know, we encounter so many different people that are going to have different beliefs than us that believe in Jesus and don't. That's going to continue to happen as we go forward. We as a church at East, we're pretty open on a lot of our stances. We allow a certain amount of freedom to explore different topics that the church has taken stances on and denominations upon denominations upon denominations have taken different stances on over the years. Communion. Decided that as a church that it's more important to allow everyone to be at the table than make exclusionary uh, list of if you're not a member, you can't have communion. If you're not a believer, you haven't been baptized, you can't have communion. I'm not saying churches can't have those stances, but that's the stance that we've, had, we've adopted. And we're going to have conversations with other believers that disagree with that. It's important that we remember that it's not necessarily the stance that we've adopted, but it's the reason behind the stance that we've adopted. Baptism. We don't necessarily put parameters around when you can be baptized. Other churches do. We see in Scripture, we've been in it in Acts a number of times already, where we see the Holy Spirit move on to various different people groups that believe God gives them the Holy Spirit before they're baptized in water. We just had that happen with the Gentiles in Caesarea with Peter. God is dwelling in believers in the Holy Spirit prior to baptism in water. Again, we can disagree, and that's fine. It's important that we continue to try and build that harmony with others. That's more what God cares about. We want more women to speak in church. Super controversial. Southern Baptist Convention is having conversations about it this week. It's going to be difficult and it's going to probably cause some division and it's going to happen. It's more important that we find ways to build harmony and bridge the gap than what we build our stance upon. The division is not what God wants. And I think that as we associate with different folks, you know, I love a couple weeks ago, Austin talked about what it was like to 
You know, be, be around someone either at a work site or somewhere who has completely different views of the world than he does. Someone who may be making disparaging comments towards a certain people group. And how we don't want to be people to bring Jesus to them because it's difficult. And just because they view the world in a certain way doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit can't move through them either. Our, our parents who may have raised us in church or may not have raised us in church are going to have different views on things than us. It's okay that we disagree with them. And as we're seeking to identify what we believe on things, we need to understand that just because we disagree with them, it doesn't stop them from being within the grace of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to continue to move through them as well. We can have those differences. Our non-believing neighbors, Holy Spirit can move through them. Our boss at work that we really like or really don't, <laughs> Holy Spirit can move through them as well. So, I think as we go out today, I, I pray that we as a church and, and individually and collectively, we would try and find ways to have communion. That we would learn from people like Allison and John that going to have political debates at our house and it might get heated and ugly but we're having them that we can do the same thing when talking about Jesus and what we experience with him we have to have that communion we have to have that discourse because if we're not having that discourse what's going to be a reflection to people that are miles away from us is just what we say. It's going to get out there faster than we can be out there. And vice versa. You know, pray that we would be reflective on ways in which we're denying that the Holy Spirit is moving through others that we may disagree with on a few topics. And also because we're being met with a response of skepticism a lot of times when we're talking about the Holy Spirit because it's unexpected, that we would still be able and be willing to talk about how the Holy Spirit is moving. And not being fearful of that doubt or skepticism that we're going to be met with and trust that Jesus is going to continue to move through our words into others, that that would continue to reinforce belief in him. So let's, um, let's bow our heads um, and pray. Worship team comes up. Um, and then after we pray, we'll move into a time of communion. Um, let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks for your words and the individuality that you give us, the fact that you reveal 
parts of yourself to some of us and different parts of yourself to others. Lord, we pray that as we see things and as we doubt your power, that we would be quick to trust. Quick to find ways to bring peace among your followers. That we would be a people in a church that seeks to sow communion instead of frustration and difference. Lord, we ask that you would give us hopeful hearts and hearts that spread the good news instead of news. Lord, we love you. Uh, We give you thanks for all the people here and those who aren't able to be here with us today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.